We are back, the Moto Spot Show. We are here in Nashville, Tennessee. I cannot wait for this episode. It is episode four. We are coming to you live, and I'm excited. We got a guest on that's been in the industry for a long time, and this guy has been uh, very knowledgeable. Uh, we are excited to have this show presented to you by Spot Network. Spot Network TV is the fastest growing streaming service in action sports, fitness, and much more. Make sure to go download the Spot Network app and find all the best content and also. Of course, my mediocre podcast. So thanks, guys, for your support. We're excited for this show. I want to welcome um, this guy. He used to work for Factory Honda. He also works for one of the best oil companies in the industry. And uh, he's also the national sales manager at Bell Ray. Uh, what's up, Cody? Welcome to the show. Gentlemen, what's going on? Thanks for having me on. Dude, no, thank you. I appreciate making the time. I know uh, Sundays are tough, but uh, I definitely appreciate you making the time for us. And we also got another guy in here that you might know. Um, we call him Shaggin589, but his name is Steven Garris with Viral Moto. What's up, Shaggin? What's going on, guys? Not much, Shaggin. Man. Dude, all shag nasty. Uh, <laughs> Dude, last, back. last time we had this guy on, he gave a shout out to the single moms. How's that going for you, dude? Uh, It didn't work out too well. I got hope though. Once hopefully you get some some followers and some listeners here. Oh, I keep seeing you pop up on that Facebook page, hey. Sam's the Moto Van. So you probably need to wrap up the Moto Van and then get onto the single moms, and then that way you got your date mobile right there. Get it dialed in. I'm gonna have like the light dimmer in it. Oh, dude. Yeah. I'm gonna be parked outside Chuck E. Cheese waiting for him. Dude, it's hey. crazy how uh, Moto Vans are like a thing of like income like you look at like rb and motobox and all those dudes like they're killing it on making moto vans they're like five months behind uh, yeah it's not well, but if you think about it though like you know for what you can get a van for you can either budget it or you can go all out but anything like any any outdoors person i feel like a van is so diverse right you know in the platform you can go all the way up to the ceiling you can go ground level, you know, and, and get something for a few thousand bucks, build it out for same value. And you know, basically you can have a small RV for, you know, three or four grand or less, you know, depending on what's in your budget. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've been looking them up, dude. And like the uh, people have been buying them and building out like to campers and RV. Like it's nuts, dude. Like I've been trying to get a couple little ideas and even people got like stoves, they got bathroom. Oh, dude, it's endless. Adds up quick. It's like a thing now. Yeah, every everybody's got not everybody, but there's a lot of them out there. Speaking of like having everything at your disposal and just being full factory and just not a worry in the world, you uh, you started in the industry a while back. Kind of talk about that a little bit, and then we'll uh, and then you also worked for Factory Honda. But kind of before the Factory Honda days, like what what made you get in the industry, or how did you get in the industry? Um, man, so my deal is maybe a lot like the others, maybe not. I'm not sure. Uh, I grew up racing motocross my dad got my brother and i into it um just did the local stuff and then it was actually back in 06 um i've always lived really close to the evs sports like their sales operation now they actually run the global part of the business out of it but anyways um i had a buddy of mine that was working at evs at the time and they were getting ready to do that was i mean back when you know the ponca loretta's when it was the back-to-back like two-week trip and so uh, I ironically had just kind of had a back injury. I had compression fractured a couple of vertebrae. And, and so I wasn't even working at the time. And my buddy at EVS was like, Hey, I'm going to Ponk and the Redis. He had never been there before. And he was like, you want to come and just 
you know, kind of help us move boxes around. And they had at the time, like a big vending trailer. So I went to Ponca and Loretta's um, and man, anybody that obviously was around the amateur moto scene in 06, like EVF had all of the athletes, um, everybody, I mean, Dungey, uh, yeah, Pastrana, everybody. Yeah, it was Dundry, it was Pastrana. It was, yeah, I guess the, the names just go on and on. So I went to Ponca and Loretta's with the EVS crew back in 06 and, at the time, they were sponsoring Filek. And what started out is kind of a joke. We were at Ponca one night hanging out. And um, Jim, Ashley's dad, was like, yeah, you know, we're looking we're looking for a guy to come live with us. And the, the rider support guy at EBS, at that time, his name's Brady Rodriguez, too. I mean, one of my best friends. Um, he was like, you should hire this guy. He's, you know, kind of a, a clean freak. Um, he'd probably fit in well. And what started out as a joke, like, yeah, maybe – you know, Ponca then went to Loretta's and the Filex and Brady Rodriguez were really, really close. So by the end of Loretta's, it was kind of like, would you be interested? And I was naive. Like I worked on my own bikes minimally, uh, not much at all. But I was like, yeah, I don't know. Sounds cool. I was just getting ready to start my senior year of high school. So they're like, tell you what, when are you done with high school? And I was like, ironically, I can graduate a semester early. So they're like, we'll bring you to mini O's. That was back in 06. And they're like, well, have you kind of do a trial and we'll see how Ashley likes you and how it feels. And then we'll go from there. So Minio's 06 worked for Ashley. She won a championship, which was rad. Um, you know, kind of, I guess, got to test the water. But it was, man, you want to talk about, I felt like a tiny little goldfish in the ocean at a race like that um, on that level. Nice. Working, <laughs> Yeah, and working for that caliber rider. I mean, that was when, you know, Honda Houston and basically every manufacturer at the time had a full deal you know, because it was right before the recession and, you know, when amateur amateur racing kind of scaled back. Um, so, yeah, did that. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Graduated high school a semester early. So I was like January 07. And then I took my last exam on a Friday. And on Monday, I had an OGO 9800 loaded up and to St. Augustine, Florida, I went. So that's how I got started. Yeah, that's crazy. So did... Uh... Did you know anything about those bikes or did you kind of just learn it all by hand and kind of just take it day by day or, and then also too, you know, with the sign language, is that something you kind of already knew or do you learn that quickly? Like how'd that all work for you? So, um, I didn't know any sign language when I went down there. Um, to be honest, looking back at the time, like I didn't really know how to even work on bikes other than <laughs> change filters and oil and, <laughs> and wash them. So, um, I learned it all, uh, you, you know, my, my dad, my brother and I, we grew up riding. My dad worked on our bikes and, you know, he didn't even work on our bikes all the time. You know, he would pay this guy or, you know, this guy would rebuild the motors, whatever. But I guess just what helped when I moved down there was my parents both just worked really hard. So it was just kind of like work and work and work till you learn it. So um, I still remember my first like week down there. Ashley's dad texted me. I was like, Hey, put new tires on the practice bike. And I never even changed a tire. And so like I snapped all the wires, like in the bead, like trying to do that. Like it was full blown. Like I went down there naive. Um, but the fireworks took a chance at me. We got along really, really well. Ashley and I clicked really well. Um, and then on the sign language side, I worked for, like I said, at Minio's over Thanksgiving, um, and we got along really well, but obviously there was pretty minimal communication, but Ashley, Ashley's always still is, but even then was a phenomenal lip reader. So that's kind of what you relied on. So okay. when it got serious and they were like, Hey, you know, we would, we would like to move forward if you're interested. I, uh, I, as I was in school. So I remember I actually went after school to get the book, but it was probably in like, you know, November, December time. Um, I just went to like 
one Barnes and Noble and I just bought like a sign language for dummies book or something like that. And I just learned like how to finger spell and stuff. And so I didn't know how to work on bike much. I didn't know how to do much on bike and uh, I didn't know how to sign at all. And I, there I was like some 18 year old kid in an airport with an OGO 9,800 flying down to, to go take this new challenge out. Yeah. So just get after it. Like, that's pretty crazy. Like you think about it, like everybody's got a book for dummies, but it's to do that and have, no idea what you're jumping into, but to take it to that next level and put that much dedication into it, like it seems like it all paid off for you. But what about you, Shaggin? You have any questions about kind of factory Honda or Ashley Filek or anything like that for Cody? No, uh, I uh, I took sign language in high school, and it's it's not easy. And I don't know how you can learn like out of a book. Because, I mean, this is probably way before the YouTube days where now you can learn everything. But Dude, that must have been hard because, like, the book, it shows you, like, the arrows of how you're supposed to move your hand, but you can't exactly tell if it's correct or not. Like, I had a class, so I had a teacher, but I can't imagine trying to learn that out of a book by yourself. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't easy. I mean, it was mainly the alphabet, right? Um, and because of how well Ashley, or Ashley could lip read. Um, you're able to get by with that, you know, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know much or learn much really, you, you know, until I moved in with her, uh, her and her family. And, um, and then obviously then I, then I picked it up rapidly, you know, especially the communication about, you know, the bikes and, and we, Ashley's family, you know, Ashley's got a little brother. Um, and then obviously your mom and dad and her, like we just gelled really, really well. I mean, they truly accepted me, you know, as a member of the family. So, to your point, yeah, sign language isn't easy to learn, uh, but it's like any foreign language, right? Like you have to practice it every single day. So yeah. living with them and how close we were, that helped, you know, essentially that, that baseline grew so fast because, I mean, essentially it was like, boom, I was all of a sudden like an adopted brother, basically, you know, because Ashley's only two years younger than me, too. We're really close in age. So we got along really well because there was, you know, at that time, you know, she was maturing and I was kind of learning and, and I I didn't have any family, I didn't have anybody down there. So I was just naturally spent a lot of time with her and her family. Yeah, just kind of bonded and had a lot of similar interests. So Yeah, and that's, that's how she was able to actually bring, it was mine and her relationship, how I got the offer to go to Honda with her. So okay. it was, had Ashley's situation been a little different, when the deal with Honda started, Honda, um, I mean, that was a while ago. So, this, you know, fast forward a few years, you know, through the amateur stuff, but, um, Honda actually told Ashley, they're like, yeah, we don't, you don't need, we, you don't need to have a mechanic. Like we have mechanics and stuff and, um, he can just be your practice guy. And they like pushed really hard for me to be involved in, in her race program. So it was that, it was definitely that relationship and the communication that then opened up the door for some future opportunity for me. Yeah. I mean, a lot of riders talk about that. It's one of those things to where you got to feel comfortable and confident and having a mechanic that you trust and whatnot that makes a huge difference so that's cool that she fought for you and you got to you know try that experience and, and do that and travel the country with her and be a part of her program as she won multiple championships so that's pretty cool yeah it's really cool and the other thing that wow I'll always respect the phylex um and then when you look at you know the carlos when carlos was with davy you know um Brett or Brent, sorry, with Trey, like there's very few actually mechanics that, you know, especially through amateurs, like through with Ashley, I was with her through amateurs, you know, then we did some private privateer stuff. And then I went factory with her and women's motocross, as we know, is a little bit different, but there's very few like guys that have, you know, that close of relationship all the way up to, you know, peak, right. 
Yeah. Um, some of the names that I just named, you know, like Brent went from, you know, Trey's team green guy, the factory connection, the factory Honda Carlos did, you know, kind of the same thing on some different manufacturers, but usually at some point the relationship or the team just doesn't allow it. And for the pilots, they were really adamant that they wanted Ashley to, you know, to have someone really close and thankfully was able to, uh, to bring me on board. And, and I can't say enough good things about American Honda. That was, those were lifelong memories. Yeah, let's talk a little bit of, of factory Honda because you and I have talked before, you know, during our travels together and, you know, riding and travel and whatnot. So you told me some stories about Honda. Like, what's what was that like just be able to have, you know, a limited supply of parts and resources and money and all that stuff? Like, did you guys keep everything or like how that all work? Because, I mean, those bikes aren't cheap. Those parts aren't cheap. They're full work. You, even though she was in the women's class, she was still getting full factory clamps, you know, work stuff. So what was that like? Did you did you guys keep anything or just kind of the same thing as the men's program after the motos tear it down, throw the trash, new stuff on? Yeah, I mean, that... Ashley's program was identical to, you know, at that year, Townley was on the team, but what Townley was hurt. Uh, and then, so like she was on the same program as Tedesco, Short, Davey, like all those guys, um, you know, there were certain things that you kind of did like a quality control check on. Um, the motors got torn down after, you know, every single race. Um, but, you know, there was multiple motors on the truck. Same thing with suspension, you know, and then wheels were in rotation, things like that. And then they were just chain sprockets, um, you know, grips, air filters, uh, I'm trying to think of everything else. But yeah, then there was a number of things that was just after every single race, it just, you know, basically it was just discarded because the team at that level, they didn't want to take chance on anything. Um, and really to try to describe what it was like, man, it was, it was surreal because Ashley's 08 program was privateer. That was her, her first year as a pro. She won the championship that year. And, I can't remember how many bikes American Honda gave her, but, you know, call it four or five bikes, what, you know, what have you. She had some pipes and stuff, but I wouldn't say frugal in the sense of, like, we were really stretching things, but, like, we used things, right, until you needed to replace them, right? Like, you know, you use cables, you used everything on the bike until it got to a point where you were watching and you're like, okay, now it's time to replace it. So then you step into, you know, American Honda, and I remember the first day we went to go shake down the bike, um, it was when... Um, competitive comp edge, right? Up yeah. In, yeah. Yeah, comp edge. Like, yeah. Yep. It was when comp edge was at the time, obviously it was still a jamming place to be. And uh, we went out to California, we did the media release, you know, the press release came out and it wasn't really known at that time. You know, there wasn't not as many like big stories, especially on women's motocross broke loose early. So it was pretty wild. Like when that deal happened because the media was, you know, wow, holy cow, I can't believe this is happening. And then, so the next day we went up to comp edge to shake the bike down and Ashley came back and she was like, yeah, you know, I would like for it to hit a little bit more on the bottom. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, let's do a gearing change. And I'm like, no, let's just, let's swap out the cam. And I was like, what? You know, cause at the time it just, you didn't, I you didn't have those resources. Just, yeah. Yeah. You didn't, you and you didn't do those things, right. You just went to the track and you know, you rode and you maybe tried a couple of things. Like one time we would try a clutch or this or that when she was on a private studio, but it's just, it's what you said. It was the resources and it was, it was incredible. And, Although obviously a, a global company and the race team very professional, it's just man they're good people. I mean I haven't worked for any of the other factory teams, but yeah. everything about the team that year, you know the personnel, everyone that was there to make the program work, how they welcomed me, you know the opportunity they gave me, it was amazing. So it just met it just made all the resources and 
you know, kind of what that year was that much more memorable as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, those guys seem like they treat everybody pretty good. It seems like the most, for the most part, there's some people that still work there that are from there. Like, you know, Eric Kehoe, he took a break, but he's still there. And I believe he was a team manager when you were working with Ashley. So, I mean, like, what was he like? Is he pretty strict? Is he pretty laid back or is he fun to work with? How's, how's Eric Kehoe? He, I mean, he was rad. Uh, he was a good blend. You know, obviously it was years ago now, right? So some of it probably slips my mind, but it was a good blend of serious when he had to be serious, but she also joked around. Um, you know, there were days where Keo would load up his Honda, you know, when at, at the time it was, um, was it Race Town 395, I think, which was just yeah, north right of like Palm yeah, Edge. Right, yeah, right down the street. Yeah. He, yeah, he liked going to there. So there were days where it was, he was your manager, right? And it was business. It was, hey, we want you to do this. Here are your parts to test. You know, this is what we're looking for. You know, and there were the not so good conversations you had at the end of a bad race or, you know, if we didn't ride to our potential. But then there were days where he load up his bike and we'd go to Race Town. Um, and then we would just, you know, I would, Ashley would be there just jamming out motos with Eric and chasing each other and, you know, goon riding and, you know, block passing each other. So he was, he was a good guy. Um, again, he was one of those guys that when my deal first started, they were like, Hey, all Cody's really main priority job is he'll take Ashley to the line and he'll wash the bike because you will give him something to do when he's at the track. And, uh, and he'll be, you know, Ashley's comfort zone when she goes to the line. And then he was the guy that one of the guys, there was one other guy that was very influential. They're like, Oh, we, we see something in this guy. So then they let me start coming into the shop more and more. And then they started giving me more and more responsibility. And by the end of the year, I was full blown. The only thing that I wasn't doing was fully splitting the motors. I would just basically like race check them. And then the, when the motors went back, the motors went back to the R and D R and D department and they split them and everything. But, he was a good guy. He knew when to be business and when to put the hard hat on. He also knew when to, you know, kind of be a little bit more laid back and have a good time. That's awesome. So, um, like I said before, you work for Bell right now, a part of the, you know, this spot moto spot show, one of our big sponsors. How did that come? Did that happen right after Honda or was there anything between, but how'd you get involved with Bell Ray? So, um, I, at, I left work and crashed at the end of the 09. Um, took like a couple like dead end jobs, uh, basically 2010 through 11. And then in 2011, then I actually went to EDS sports. So obviously the protective gear company, I uh, worked there from 11 to 14. And then in the fall of 14 was when I, uh, came over to Bell Rick. started as a regional manager now over, you know, just over six years ago, I started like end of September in 2014, um, so it's just kind of natural, right? Like you go to these trade shows and stuff, you meet this guy, you meet that guy. Um, who's another guy that's still actively involved in the industry is Scott Lucatus or Lucaitis. I met him, we got to talking, we built a friendship. And then I, when I was looking for a change from EVS, it was a good company, but I was just looking for a change. I reached out to Scott. He put me in touch with this guy, that guy, you know, a couple of interviews later. And then, uh, yeah, in the end 14, I started with Bell Ray as uh, at the time, my title was regional sales manager. So I was just at the upper upper Midwest kind of brand manager, you know, local rep, travel, you know, travel with your dealers, uh, travel with your reps, things like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember um, I was just getting on with WPS in 16. So I remember you were still a regional when I came on. It was you and Sean Ulikowski, who also was a mechanic for Travis Preston. So that's pretty cool. There was two two factory mechanics working for Bell Ray, putting their input, you know, letting letting Bell Ray know what they should do to their oil. So kind of helps <laughs> right. make, make that stuff the best of the best. 
What about you, Shaggy? Do you have any questions for uh, Cody on Factory Honda or Bellray or anything about like that? Uh, <clears throat> you were still, you've always been from Wisconsin, right? So all like EVS correct. was based out of Wisconsin and all that? Yeah, yeah, correct. I didn't, I didn't know that. I, yeah, I didn't know they were based in Wisconsin. I remember like they were up, up north, but I didn't know they were actually in Wisconsin. That's where their global was. Because you know yeah, we so, were with them too, but I didn't know they were actually based out of Wisconsin. I don't know why you need protective stuff up there. It's all snow all the time. <laughs> it's probably cheap. EVS is a, it's a really cool and it's a really unique company because Rancho Dominguez for really since 1985 or so, when you know when the first knee brace came out back then, through this was up until just a couple years ago, really their headquarters was in Compton, Rancho Dominguez, and then all the sales stuff was just ran out of like the Janesville, Wisconsin area. Um, that happened because there was a guy that at the time he was working for PU and Moose met EVF. You know, they really liked things, but he didn't want to move to California. So the you know the owners of the company at the time were like, okay, well, you know, we'll let you run because sales at that time was just a one man band. So. Um, they basically just let them run it from a home office. And then over the years, you know, as it got bigger, the product line got more diverse, you know, you added people, added distribution things. It grew to what was basically just, you know, an office of, of sales guys. And then slowly but surely over the last couple of years, then they migrated more of the global operations, you know, all the customer service, all the R and D, not nothing, all the R and D, but a lot of the R and D, the marketing and stuff is now just right here in like South central Wisconsin. That's awesome. That, yeah. You see that stuff that we try to bring to the show guys is, you know, we all try to learn something new about companies. And like Cody said earlier too, like these events and these trade shows. And I know for me, that was a huge deal. Like when I was working at a dealer, I made a priority to go to the parts unlimited show before Supercross. I try to do everything I could to meet people and build relationships. So you never know what opportunities are going to bring. So, you know, like Cody, he's like, ah, I mean, I'm not doing anything. Let me go to Ponca. Let me go to Loretta's. And you know, that got him a job at uh, factory Honda and, and then now EVS and then Bell Ray. So it's like you just never know who you're going to meet. You know, we've talked about in the past, don't burn any bridges, you know, build your relationships and everything kind of works out if you want to be in this industry and get your foot in the door. So that's kind of, you know, one of those things we try to talk about quite a bit is just letting people know you got to you got to kind of get out of your comfort zone and and wanting to talk to people. And if you really want to be in this industry, you kind of got to take every opportunity you can. It might be it might be a crappy and it might not be the best, but it might evolve into something else. So. Good insight on that, Cody. We appreciate it. You can also meet a lot of people on Xbox. That's true. That is true. I think Shaggin and I have met some really cool people um, through Xbox, and it's it's crazy how our generation now is through YouTube and Xbox and Instagram and Twitter and like just social media is just who would have thought? You know, like you said, Cody in '06, um, the industry was booming, but the only way you got to get your information was like cycle news or you'd wait for Verb Moto, uh, Moto Playground. And then, you know, now it's like that stuff's just instant. It's crazy. It is. I mean, and, and to your point, like there's so many different, um, like avenues, you know, and, and streams, I guess, of, of content of media or, you know, how to know this or, or where to learn more about that. That's fantastic. But, you know, there's no substitution for hard work. Definitely. I mean, I think we all kind of know that. And I hear, you know, I either I hear it or I see it like, how do I get in the industry? I love it or I love it. And it's like, it kind of goes back to that almost cliche saying of like, 
it just, it's relentless work and like relentless progression. You got to go to the shows. You got to, you know, put your name out there. You got to talk to people. Or if you want to be a mechanic, racing gear guy, whatever, like you have to go to the races, you know, you have to meet the people, you know, you can certainly start building those relationships, you know, whether it's Xbox, Instagram, Facebook, private messages, whatever, but like you just, you have to push yourself and you have to push those boundaries, you know, and go to those places that maybe not always the most easy, maybe not the most fun, but, you know, that is, that's one way, you know, to get started in the industry. And, and that's, I would probably say, right. The majority of people that are in the industry right now, whether it's on the sales, you know, kind of brand manager, like the, that side of the companies, or if they're in the scene of like the series and the racing, it started by just working their tails off. Yeah. One, you know, I completely agree with you. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, uh, communication. It's a lot of getting out of your comfort zone. And that, you know, brings me to the next point is, you know, like you said, with streaming is that's why we wanted to bring Spot Network on board is because these guys are on the gas with action sports and bringing in, you know, like skateboarding and motocross. And, you know, they're working with fitness. They're working with the Monster Girls, the W. Like these guys are streaming stuff that involves the things we love. So if you haven't yet, make sure to go check out the Spot Network app, guys. It's It's got some of the coolest content on there. They're going to do a AMA Supermoto live stream here next weekend. So... I don't know who's watched Supermoto, but I miss Supermoto. I remember in X Games, Supermoto was huge. Cody, I bet you, I can only imagine you were with Ashley when she won X Games. So yep. mm-hmm. um, it's cool to see Supermoto making a comeback, and uh, I'm really excited for that. So make sure to check that out, guys. Spot Network TV. And uh, I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really cool to see Supermoto back on the uh, – the glo- no, I wouldn't. I don't know if it would be global stage, but it's definitely going to be on the the country stage of United States of America. So we'll take it. Um, do they you, stream so they, the Monster Girls actually working out? I think they do like workout videos. Our friend Caleb actually, his girlfriend Kylie is one of the videos, so she works out harder than Caleb does. I'm gonna watch it just to see the Monster Girls work out. I'm not actually gonna do the exercises. You're gonna slide into their DMs too, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe before you slide in their DM shaking, you should just try working out like them. Uh, that's that's not. To see if you can keep up, right? I mean, or, uh, isn't that part? Of, isn't that part of swooping the chick, right? I mean, you either have to have a massive amount of game, or you got to be willing to work out as hard. Look, dude, if if you get a hot chick and you're like a mediocre dude, it brings more like spotlight to the chick, and they love the attention. So, I'm, but you just got to stay mediocre. Like you can't go out and have. 12 pack abs and compete with your girl who looks the best without the shirt on <laughs> you you can't but then you have to be funny if you're not going to do it in looks i'm a firm believer and then you oh, got to be funny yeah 100 so. percent. Yeah. i'm i'm real like you know kind of on the tier of that basement husband like you know those other podcast guys talk about with my wife and it's definitely because i'm funny not because i'm good looking so let's let's keep it real on that side it's either funny or good looking and i'm definitely on yeah. the tier of good uh funny if yeah, if you're yep. not funny nor good looking, you're hundred percent screwed. And we're both not fast on a dirt bike, so that screws us too. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so let's kind of get jump into this bell ray. That's kind of what you do for a day to day. I mean, I I think you work here and there. It seems like you do. Um, so something lo- like that. Something like that. So it looks like Bell Ray was founded in 1946. I did not know that, so I just learned something new. And I believe you guys are one of the only if. One of the only, if not the only, manufacturer that still has all your stuff made in the USA. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so company started in 46. Um, 
it was basically a man in his garage. I mean, which, you know, multiple companies, that's just how they started, especially back in the forties, um, started as like an industrial lubricants company, you know, just supplying lubricants, you know, some of the, the local industrial manufacturing facilities. And, um, his son was into riding dirt bikes and, uh, wanted, you know, his dad basically to make him a chain lube and a, a two stroke engine oil. And so by, um, from 46 through the 60s, it was just like industrial. Uh, and then by the late 60s, 68, 69, son was into racing um, and then wanted uh, wanted a two-stroke engine oil and then a chain loop. So uh, Mr. Kiefer, the founder of the company, formulated it. And man, what kind of put Bell Ray on the map was back in the 70s at the time, there was a lot of two-stroke engine oils that were running 12 to 1, 20 to 1, things like that. And they were following a lot of plugs and just what have you. I mean, that's just burning super, super rich. Um, and they came out with basically a two-stroke engine oil that, I mean, they're able to lean the thing out, you know, 40 to 1, 50 to 1, 60 to 1, and more lean. And then so obviously bikes were running good. They weren't following plugs. And it was kind of the brand then that, that put them on the map with the factory Suzuki's and later on factory Honda and all the things. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things to where I don't know – how many companies I've heard it's kind of all started with the sun or started in a garage or, you know, it's seems like those are some of the best companies. Um, the biggest thing I would kind of say about bell Ray that I like is you guys have, were one of the companies that kind of, I feel like maybe kind of fell off there in 09, 010, but then you remarketed yourself. You got regional managers and now you, uh, you know, in 2000, whatever we are, 20, almost all my shops carry your guys' stuff. And even you guys are a huge company for WPS. So, it's kind of crazy how it kind of, our our industry goes in spurts, but it seems like over the years, Bell Ray has always been a main mainstream or a staple in stores across the country, or even I don't know about global, but I would say global too. So that's kind of cool that you know you get to be a part of that. You're now the national sales manager, so you get to work a lot of those deals and work a lot with you know different people in your company, and you know actually have insider knowledge on the products, and you know you use it personally. I use it. You know, Shaggin uses it. So I would say, like, for you, what would you say is the biggest uh, misconception about oil or their companies? Like, you know, what's one of those things to where we know the certain other brands and stuff, and they say they're this, they say there's that. But, you know, for you, you get to see that on the day-to-day. So, like, the full synthetics, the minerals, the semi-synthetics, like, kind of break that down real quick. I know we can't go into too much detail because that would be a whole another two-hour show of just oil, but... Just kind of real lose cool. everybody. Yeah, and everybody would fall asleep for sure. Uh, but kind of break for it real. down. Um, what's uh, what's the biggest misconception? What kind of takes makes Bell Ray one of the better companies in the industry? Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes into what we feel like is you know obviously you know making our brand you know premium branded you know and and we're definitely passionate about that. Um, I think a lot of it has to start with you know what I mean the. Uh, the level of commitment you have when you go to make the product. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different manufacturers, you know, there's some smaller ones, there's some bigger ones. Uh, there's also, you know, other global operations as well. Um, but it really starts with, you know, when you go to formulate that product, you have to ask yourself what you're trying to achieve. And then you almost have to, at the same time, ask yourself, what is your commitment, you know, to achieve what you want. Um, and then that, then, then, the balance has to come in, right? Is are you willing to sacrifice everything or are you not, you know, are you willing to give up a little to say good enough, you know, essentially. Uh, and with Bellray, I mean, 
you're right. You know, the early 2000s, we definitely, you know, were kind of sleep at the wheel. You know, the brand was still there. We were still manufacturing things, but we really weren't going as hard as, as we, you know, we definitely have been. Um, and kind of that resurgence when we signed with Reed. Um, so that's in layman's, I guess, to keep it real short and sweet. That's what I think is, is you just got to, you know, ask yourself, like, how committed you are to making, you know, the premium product and, and what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, when are you willing to stop and when are you not willing to, as far as the misconception, you know, misconceptions, you get them a lot. Um, there's a ton out there, you know, so it all depends, right? If you're talking to a V twin guy, if you're talking to a moto guy, when you're talking to, to um, generally speaking, right. You know, the yeah. 90%, 95% of moto customers, there's a lot because I mean, it, it stinks, but you know, that, that oil is oil is, is that's probably the most common. Like, well, what do you mean? It's, you know, it's just oil is oil. And it's like, no man, like oil evolves every so often like tires, you know, like we all know tires evolve, but yeah. for some reason that knowledge based on oil isn't there. Like it is tires, right? Like, you know, when a carcass changes, you know, on a Dunlop or a Pirelli, whatever, I think that's where a lot of the manufacturers, when you find yourself, you know, going, okay, essentially, right. Say, okay, it's good enough. You don't, you don't get into like men, much of your features and benefits, right. You just keep it as like, Oh, it's just, it is what the label says. So that yeah. customer doesn't know. So they don't know what to go off of. So in return, you know, obviously their knowledge is pretty limited. Um, the other misconception I get is like, Oh, it's fine. You can use crappy oil if you just change it all the time. And it's just like, what? Like, no, you're not supposed to use a diesel engine oil in your moto bike. Now in theory, yeah, you certainly can. But I mean, there's literally YouTube videos that show that for, to a certain degree, shampoo works as a lubricant. You wouldn't run shampoo in your motor, you know? So again, it kind of goes back to that misconception. Bubbles over the doubles. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like it kind of goes back to that misconception of oils oil. And that really is just because of, you know, not a lot of manufacturers, especially not like even across the board, you know, not talking about oil information in general, maybe, you know, what little bit of features and benefits, it's just theirs and it's not oil in general that helps the masses. Um, but the, you know, oh, I change it all the time. I'm going to change every one to two hours. It's okay to use Rotality. And it's like, no, that product is not formulated for a single cylinder motor. You know what I mean? At high rev, high temps, you know, smashing through gears without even using a clutch. Yeah, breaking uh, down yeah. additives to help it break it down, and then yeah, there's. I mean, again, I don't want to geek up, but there's sheer stability. I mean, there's friction, right? There's protecting from metal metal contact that's keeping the engine cool. You know, what I mean, it's keeping the engine clean. Those are all things that specific products are formulated a specific way, right? And yeah. that's where you get into that. You know, are you a commodity brand or are you a premium brand? Well, tell me why. Well, that's something that I'm passionate with, Bellray, because we can talk to you about film strength. We can talk to you about engine cleanliness. I mean, we can talk to you about reducing heat, about friction, you know, we're coefficient of friction, all those things that that's why we're, we have a lot of pride. Well, I think we're that, a premium. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things too. Like you just have tires, like it's almost like you have to dumb it down a little bit. And with tires, it's the question. A lot of people don't ask about the carcass or ask about that. They just want to know if, is it for soft terrain, hard terrain or medium terrain? And like with tires like that's the mis- biggest misconception too They're like oh i need a soft tire for softer well that's not always the case um and with oil you can't really put all that information on a bottle and give all the the consumer that information so it's like you have to almost dumb it down as much as you can but when you do it then you just sound like all the other oil companies to where like yeah and it kind of hurts you guys a little bit it it does right but it that's where 
my passion. And, and it's weird, like how geeked out I get on this oil technology, right? And like, you'll probably have to say like, all right, get, we stop talking about it, Cody, we get it. But <laughs> you know, if you want to find certain information in the moto industry, at least I feel like if you want to go find it, you can go find it, right? Like if you want to know about tires, there's plenty of videos, right? There's plenty of write-ups, there's plenty of articles. If you want to find out, you know, what rebound stack to run in your shock or, you know what I mean? Or, or what compression, you know, you need in your forks. Like you can go find all that very technical information, but for some reason, oil is, is there's not that much, right? Or if there is, it's from like some outside guy that, you know I mean? He's an industrial chemist that he's going to tell you what you need for motor oil. And it's like, well, you're running different oil even than you would for your compressor at your manufacturing facility than a motorbike. So that's slightly still irrelevant. Like in the moto industry, there's not like a ton of people that are even talking about oil and the differences. And, and the fact is, it's not just oil. There's a lot of differences. And, and single cylinder motorbikes that you're lubricating a transmission, a wet clutch, you know, and, and the motor side of it, you know, the piston and the valve train. That's a lot going on at very minimal capacity. There should be more information, you know, more third-party websites, you know, more magazines and stuff that can geek out on it, but it's just not there. So, so you can't, you can't hold it against the customers when they don't really know because there's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of places they can go to get more information. I feel like, like oil brands is like something you, uh, from like the Joe Blow side, cause I'm not, I'm not an industry rep. I don't go to the meetings and get the breakdowns like you and Justin do and all that. But I feel like from like a Joe Blow standpoint, there's like, you kind of fall into, um, uh, an oil brand like you know your dad used it or you grew up mm -hmm. your dad used it on your 80s and then you just you just assume okay like you know say say your dad used bell ray when you were racing 80s and then now you're on your own you got a 250f and you're going to the shop to get some oil you just you look for the bell ray logo you look for you know the most popular so like i was my question was like the reed thing like bell ray wasn't on my radar at all till i saw like you know they sponsored his team and, and i feel like that got you know, Bell Ray out there more. Was it like from your guys' standpoint, did it help a lot or, or was it just for like people like me that didn't really use Bell Ray before um, to get the logo out? Did it, did it get the logo out more? Did it sales pick up? Did a lot more people start using it or just kind of was just a thing? Um, it, no, it honestly, that was, that was a really good deal. And to even backtrack to your original thought, Shagan, that's, I mean, that's what you still see and hear, you know, if you go to a show and you go, why are you using Bellray? 80% of the people are going to tell you, oh, it's, it's what my dad used, or what my grandpa used, or what my uncle, whatever, right? Because, you know, there's some brand loyalty, but there's also a, well, if he used it, it's got to be good. And, and I looked up to him or he was my hero. So I kept using it. Um, so that's still around today. Um, bringing up the Reed deal, I mean, hands down, while uh, it costs a lot of money <laughs> to do the Reed deal, that was single-handedly in my opinion, our best ROI. Um, probably the only like real deal that I could say was a good ROI. I mean, we got a lot of re-engaged customers. We got a lot of re-engaged dealers. We got a lot of re-engaged distributor reps, you know, and just distributors that helped um, it put the brand in front of a lot of people. It also kind of put us back on the map that like Bellway is back even on the race team side of things. You know, we worked with Reed, we developed products for Reed, factory Honda uh, went on to use some of those products, you know, and, and there was a lot of conversations with a lot of other teams that much like how it, pro I would assume it was in the eighties. Right. You know, yeah. um, you know, Bell Ray's being that premium brand, 
that helped. Um, it helped for everything that I just said. And just for you, Shagan, right? Like you kind of knew it, but let's face it. That was, that was a good year to be associated with Reed, you know? Yeah, he was ripping that year. I mean, both those years. I mean, he was. Yeah. yeah. Not only was he ripping, right? Like he transformed as an athlete, right? He kind of was that guy, right? You know, when he was just like, uh, he was a PU Thor Yamaha guy, right? That like, oh, you either loved him or you didn't, you know, a lot of times. Kind of just played it in. Yeah, well, I mean, he was a premium athlete, right? But it was like, with whatever he had going on, like, you either loved Reed or you didn't. And let's face it, like, you know, and uh, so that would have been in, like, 08, he was on Suzuki, 09 on Kali. Like, in 08 or 09, you know, I think he, you know, probably lost some fans. Or no, 10. 10, he was on Kali, right? We did a deal with him in 11. So that year, right, he changed as an athlete. Like, his his image changed and he was fan oriented and you know, he was now like the underdog, but he invested in his program and his look was clean. You know, there were so many things that worked in our favor as well as just, you know, being obviously one of his, you know, premium sponsors. Yeah. And um, I think for him, but, the other thing that kind of stood out was he was his own team and his bikes, his whole setup, semi shirts, bikes, like he had the best looking look in the pits and he also only had so many brands on the bike. Like it was Tutu and Belray. Like that's kind of what yeah. you saw on all of his t-shirts and shift. And like, that was it. So it's like, you guys really stood out in that deal. You weren't just like a little logo, like on the fender or a little logo on the rear fender. Like you guys were on the shroud, the side panel, his jerseys, his gear, his truck. Like it was like Belray, Belray, Belray. So like really, yeah, stood that out. was, that was a Scott Lucaitis deal. Obviously I wasn't, you know, with Belray. Yeah, but I yeah. remember, you know, Belray for the same reason like Shagan back then. That was when I was just, you know, I was mechanic and then I was kind of like in between. But man, Belray at that time, it was like, whoa, you know, they're back, right? Bigger than ever, maybe. Um, and and Scott Lucaitis, you know, he did that deal. He was the brand manager at the time. And, you know, um, it worked out very well. I mean, that was a deal that there was definitely, you know, an, an ROI achieved hands down still to this day. If you talk about whether it was Reed, whether it was Rockstar Husky, whether it was BTO, whether it was RCH, all the teams, probably 60 to 70% of the people that know Belray, they associate us more with Reed than any of the other teams combined. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because you guys, he was... He was really pushing the brand, and I think around that same time, too, you guys did a bottle change, and the bottles came out looking really... It's crazy how a bottle can make a difference, but if you ask any other uh, person in the industry, the other um, company that's like that, too, is tires. The biggest mm-hmm. biggest thing that people love on tires is what kind of miles they're going to get, and how's the tire look. So it sounds dumb, but like it seems like when you guys changed the bottle, it made a night and day difference for you too so i i don't yeah. know if that happened but just outside looking in it looked like the bottle actually helped you know increase sales as well that bottle was it was dated um just white in my opinion it didn't yeah. look good the label the labels were dated you know and again it's the evolution right so you look back i mean really the only thing that you, that you can say you know five ten years ago wasn't dated is is some gear you know right because some some year of, of gear companies they knock it out of the park but there was a lot of things that was dated you know, we needed a new bottle changer. We needed new labels and it happened. And yeah, they kind of happened at the same time, which, which, which certainly helped, you know, especially when you have a bunch of customers, you know, dealers, reps and distributors engaged. Um, it definitely worked. Those were big yeah. years again for Bell Reyes. We were kind of sleep at the wheel and, and that was when we really went, uh, you know, we put our chips all in 
so on you, the moto scene. So you said you said it too earlier. You said you know RCH, which RCH was a team for a while. It was you know Hart and Huntington, Cowies, and then Suzuki's, and then you said Chad was pretty expensive. You also had uh, I feel like you had another team too, Husky too. I believe at the like in sixteen. And BTO as well. Yeah, BTO too. So out of all those teams, what is a usual oil company sponsorship cost? Like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess just outside looking in for Reed label, all that, 150 grand. And then somebody like BTO, probably 60, 60 to 70 grand. <laughs> if I wish that those were the numbers, man. Um, <laughs> each each of those deals, I mean the Reed deal, you could probably times it by ten. Um, okay. no joke, the no BTO deal. And again, I didn't know all the deals because a lot of those were, yeah. you know, ran through the brand managers at the time. Um, BTO, gosh, I, that was, that was like good six figures. I mean, that was like in the twos or something like that. I mean, that so was, most that of them was are another, six figures. Then is what you're saying. Some you get yeah, one or two that are it, seven figures, but nine out of 10 times they are mostly six figure numbers for sponsorship. Yeah. I mean, at, at least that's, that's what I'm aware of. Right. And again, those are all deals that you, when I, let's see, I started with Bell Ray in, in 14 and, and even with RCH and, and well, yeah, RCH Husky and BTO, those were all deals that were still going on. Like, you know, when I was a part of the team, right. But I was kind of in my box, you know, where now yeah. the level that I'm at now, I would know the money that we're spending. Um, yeah. You're involved in those I'm deals not, now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm involved in those deals now, but I'm, I'm not basically writing any checks for those deals now, yeah, <laughs> but the numbers that I heard from back then, I mean, they were, especially with where the industry was at, those teams were, you know, yeah, we, they were, they were, they were getting good, good deals from us, like six figures somewhere. I believe, I don't know if any other team other than Reed were in seven figures, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, the years with RCH, when they had, when they had Kenny, it was probably close. Um, you know, and maybe Husqvarna all in because that was global. So that was, again, that was different. But, like, just the team, just the Moto Supercross team, those were good six-figure deals. I need an oil sponsorship. And I, <laughs> I, um, I'm i going to need a check to come with it at this rate now. I won't be six figures. I, yeah, but what, are you, good, what are you good at to earn a uh, gear, yeah. or oil sponsorship? Sand sections. Right. Yeah, one good section of Monster Mountain, dude, and he thinks he can beat Roxas. I will send it off the roller, hey, and I will you, look like hurlings out there. Hey, you haven't been there, though. The last time I was there, it was that right-hander, and then there was a single that then you, like, jumped, jumped into, into yeah. rollers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all you, you sit on the back of that 20, 450, and just you're into that yeah. thing. Yeah, you just be growing Instagram followers. I'm ready, dude. I'm Bell Ray had the clutches whining for viral, like, yeah, get off right. me, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> viral model Bell Ray Kawasaki. Hashtag Bell Ray plug. That was one of the reasons you were able to jump into the sand section. Uh, yeah. Clutch was hooking up. Just find shagging at the local fair race. Just sponsor. <laughs> so, uh, Whole deal. I, I tried that new synthetic stuff. And, yeah, uh, I yep. remember. I remember I messaged you because Triple was scared of trying it. He's scared of. Uh, yep. changing from I like the, the mineral. I like the mineral. And They're you told me chances. you told me it was what a four to was it four to six hours or six to eight? Yeah, four to six. Yeah, four to four to six. Four to and, six is safe. Uh, I mean, you can go longer, but four to six. You know what the Cowie so manual I, says? The Cowie what? manual says fifteen hour intervals. 
I'm never letting my bike go 15 hours between oil changes. I've always, uh, I've always done every two rides, um, sometimes three if I'm lazy. And back in the day, I was a Rotella guy uh, every two rides. And, but then they changed something. They changed like a detergent or something. And yeah, they changed I, the rating. start smoking clutches, and I just I did away with mm-hmm. that. Um, but I did get lazy, and I did put your four to six hours to the max. I think I put seven on it one time on my yeah. 19 because I was just lazy. And it actually came out pretty good. I was still uh, brown. Yeah, I was pretty uh, impressed. Actually, I thought I was going to be smoked like black and stink, and it was actually pretty good. So um, this was it was explained to me. I don't remember who explained. It. I think it was Jeff Brockman at the time. He was a regional guy, but he kind of did like all my onboarding and like he was very um, like mentorish to me. He explained it to me in, in a way that it, it should make perfect sense to anybody, right? Mineral oil is like popcorn. You know, crude oil, mineral oil, it's extracted from the ground. It goes through a refining process, but there's only so much you can do to it. So think about like every molecule, not every, but like think about the molecules in your mineral oil are like popcorn, right? You can line up 10 kernels of popcorn and they're all different, you know, different shapes, different sizes, thickness, weight, all that. That's like crude oil because you can only do so much to it. There's a lot of impurities, you know, it can only be so strong. Um, Whereas synthetic is like a ball bearing, right? It's, it's essentially a manufactured product, you know, manufactured through a chemical reaction, essentially, but it's manufactured. So synthetic being like ball bearings, right? When formulated properly, you know, think about how strong 10 ball bearings are going to be, you know, working, you know, hand in hand as compared to 10 pieces of popcorn, right? Because the tall ones are going to take all of the load first, right? And then they're going to crumble, you know, and then you're down to, okay, now you only have eight good ones, right? And it, that's how you can, that's how I, you know, to a lot of customers that just don't know much about the differences between mineral oil and synthetic, it starts with that ball bearings to popcorn analogy. And yeah. so the product that it took Triple J forever to try, Shag, and I appreciate you pushing them to try it. It's well, that goes back to what product. I told what you said well, earlier. I just changed change it. Oil, so I had to change it for him. Well, and like it goes back to what you said earlier. Like I just changed it every other ride. You know what I mean? So now you're allowing me to be more lazy, which is fine. Like I'll take it and I can change oil in four hours instead of four, four rides or two rides. Cause we all know I ain't putting four hours on a motorcycle. So, uh, yeah. And this goes, this goes back to like what we talked about, you know, when you compare oil to tire, right? Like, if you had to change your tires back in, you know, whatever, call it, you know, the early 2000s every few hours, right? Because the 756 was good, right? But it just, you know, it lost it, right? Like a front tire never looks bad. It just, it starts feeling bad, right? You know that performance edge. Well, things change, right? And it's evolved, right? And now front tires, you know, maybe now you can get 20 or 25 or, you know, all the things and, and name countless other parts and accessories that it evolves over time. And so how you you go about changing it, right? Or, you know, Renthal or Sunstar, they have different types of sprockets, right? That last longer than an aluminum sprocket. Yeah. Oil, it evolves every so many years and, and the additive manufacturers and how the additives play a part with the base stock, it evolves, right? So yeah, absolutely. 10, 15, 20 years ago or longer, you wanted to change your oil, you know, every other ride. But now it's like, but it's changed. That isn't the ball. Like yeah. we're not in that There's field anymore. There's more technology available now. Yeah, yeah. You can let things go a little bit longer, and it's you know at times you or you if you 
let your oil go longer as long as you're using a good motorcycle specific premium product or you know what I mean like especially a reputable brand you've not sacrificed lubrication all that you've done is lined your pocket you know and you've saved yourself some time in the garage not having to drain the oil and yeah. essentially pour what pour money down the drain yeah you invested back into your motorcycle and not just you know letting it wear down and be clapped after 40 hours you know when you go do a top end at you know, 50, 60, 70 hours, it looks like it doesn't even need it because you used good premium oil. Well, it's like, exactly. And Shagan, not trying to pick on you, but you said it perfectly, right? At the end, at the end of the day, you're just, you're a motorcycle enthusiast and you're passionate, but like, you're telling me you let your oil go longer because you're lazy and you're saying it in the like, man, I shouldn't have blah, 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 blah. But then you're like, you still haven't even changed your mindset to be like, dude, it was good. Like you, you're telling me the story, like you felt bad and you're lazy. And I'm over here going, no, no, no to keep, you. And oh, I go in seven hours. <laughs> I've gone to the four hour mark. Now I used to do two yeah. and then I proved it with seven and I figure four we're good. And it still comes so, out looking, looking new almost pretty much. And so with bell rig and, what I'm very passionate and why I geek out on the technology and the resources, but it's, it's our pride, you know, and commitment that we have to these products. I don't want to sell you a product that I know can go longer to say, Oh, you got to change it every two hours. I'd rather sell you Mr. Rider, right? A weekend warrior for the most part, a good quality product, tell you features and benefits, but most importantly, show you that I can help save you some money. I can give your, you know, essentially my product can give your motorcycle premium lubrication and you're not in your garage as you're, you know, you're not in your garage as much or you have more time to do other things. Maybe it's, you have more time to spend with your kids or, or you're just not that good at maintenance, right? Like that's, triple that's J. what I enjoy. That's, that's less, what I enjoy about Bellwreck. That's less time for triple J to cross red is oil drain plug in. Yeah. <laughs> that's less Xbox time. If I had to change my oil a lot. So exactly. and you guys do more than oil. You guys do chain lube and foam oil and six in one, which is by far the best thing. Like I just washed my bike today and I put six in one on all my springs and everything. Like you got to have six in one I, uh, waterproof grease. I use a six in one to soak my van lug nut studs that were rusted on. There you go. To get them yeah. off because they were stuck. Yeah. If you have any like trailer hinges that are sticking six in one, like it's yes, yeah, door latches, trailer hinges. Yeah. yeah I that, mean, it's so six in one is our, yeah, six and one is our, our penetration fluid. I mean, it's it's not as watery as, you know, some of the other brands in the market, you know, some of the, like the WD-40s and, you know, other penetrating fluids. That works really well, but that's kind of the other thing about Bellray is, is that we're really proud to say, you know, if you look in our catalog or you want one brand and a one-stop shop, you know, we have 99% of the products you're looking for or you would ever need, um, you know, to do anything really you know, motor bike related, really motorcycle power sports, you know, related like any type of machine. So. And the logo is cool. You got to yeah. have cool. logo. I do like your guys' logo. That goes back yeah. to like your, you know, the oil info on the bottle and stuff. I'm not picking up the bottle off the shelf to even look at that. If the label or the logo is not cool. Dude, yeah, for sure. It's gotta be like if you have, like, bad. I, I think that's, I think it applies to most, Anything consumer related, if you have like a cool logo, I it appeal. draws people to it. Yeah, you gotta have good eye appeal for sure. Like yeah, I went to uh, like I went to Lowe's today and I was looking for some Mr. Clean because Triple was crying that he can't find any and I couldn't find any, but like there was some cleaner that just looked like generic bottle, nothing crazy, and then there was the uh 
like the purple power or stuff like pops in your face like a cool, decent looking logo like it just draws you to it so i picked it up and looked at it and i didn't want to get it but uh you got to have the logo on point for sure that's funny yeah. it brings a purple power i wonder if cody knows anything about purple power uh, well um <laughs> i mean the logo pops no you're royal you're royal yeah you're royal purple yeah royal purple. yeah i'm royal yeah I'm royal that's different purple. that's different i'm an idiot i'm sorry we it's all good. All right, so that. a couple more questions, and then we'll let you go, Cody. Uh, real quick, uh, let's touch on this. I don't want to talk about it too much, but you know, with you guys being USA made, everything made in the USA, bottles, the whole nine. Um, COVID, anything affect you guys, or were you still like wide open? I know power sports is booming like crazy, but did you guys have any issues with uh, bottles or getting your oil um, shipped out? No, um, that's. I mean, one thing that I can't say enough to our, you know, procurement team and, you know, our production schedulers and stuff like that, uh, we were still at like 97, 98% fill rate for our power sports products. So, you know, that's all in um, about 70 SKUs. Um, you know, obviously we all know the power sports industry definitely, you know, we were given, you know, a major win you know, with COVID, right? Sales spike, but, you know, bike sales spike, you know, the industry definitely, um, has definitely got an uptick our fill rates and and procurement team and everything we stayed at basically right what we had been doing which is incredible considering the months that we had you know may june july august september those were incredible months for us uh we never had any major out of stock issues some small things here or there but um like i said our fill rate was was in the high 90s and that's pretty hard to do on an average year let alone with everything going on with the pandemic. That's right. That's good to know. Like it's another reason why guys, we, uh, we push for the made in USA. A lot of our sponsors are made. A lot of their stuff's made in the USA. So big shout out to those guys. Scott goggles, made in the USA, Cody bell rays, made in the USA works connection. I believe all their stuff's made in the USA. And then motion pro, I would say 80% of their stuff is made in the USA. So definitely go and support those guys. Check them out at bell Ray on Instagram at Scott sports USA on Instagram at works connection and at motion pro. So check those guys out. And especially again, go check out spot network TV, download the app, sign in, create an account and go check out their content. Um, last question before we get to the Scott subject. Um, we didn't get any comments, I don't believe, but you know, we'll kind of, I'll ask you a subject that I want to know and then Shaggin can ask you a subject that he wants to know. But before I, before we move on to that, I wanted to ask you a quick question and kind of get your thoughts on it and see what, what your insider knowledge is. But in 2019, I believe it was, um, motor X took uh, Husky from you guys, um, with KTM and everything. It was one of those things where it kind of shocked us all. Cause bell Ray has been a big part of their program, but what's, what was that like? And, um, you know, how'd you guys, you know, bounce back from that and kind of, you know, look in the mirror and say, okay, what do we do now? Um, after losing Husky and, and whatnot. So that was actually an 18. 18 um, okay. yeah. And so it's kind of like, you know, there, there are certain deals, right. That when the, when you look at it, you know, from a business side, you know, you, you have to look at it from their perspective, you know, you have to look at it from yours, right. You know, and obviously these agreements are, you know, it's never really a good agreement, right. If one side's totally happy and the other side isn't right. You want that agreement to be okay. A give and take here, there. Um, our relationship with Husky, you know, when, when Husqvarna first, you know, came onto the map, it was, it was very much so to be, you know, to K, you know, to KTM, what Motorex is or, or vice versa you know, a very strong partnership. And, 
you know, in those early years where we were all in from a monetary side, right? Like, let's face it, you know, KTM and Husky Varner were trying to figure out, you know, how the dealers were going to go, who could be a Husky dealer, who could be a KTM. They can't be together, like all those things. Um, we were all in from a financial side, right? Like we, everyone was getting product, you know, the checks were going out, but, um, so in 2017, when we were trying to, to do a new deal, which would have been a 2018. And I think it was going to be like a two year deal, maybe a little bit longer, but we were trying to basically figure out, okay, what is it that we want to achieve? And it was, you know, it was essentially to be a stronger unit, right? Like, you know, continue building and, and continue, you know, making Bellray, you know, that household name, right. With Husqvarna. Um, and I wasn't a part of the actual dealings, but I do know. And I, I recall that, um, at first it was going to be a global deal, you know, obviously with, with, you know, a monetary value. And then that kind of changed. And then there was some conversations about, okay, well, it'll be global right to first refusal, but we'll stay domestic, you know, kind of in that, again, going back to the we wanted both sides to be happy. You know, it, we didn't want it to be an unfair deal. And, and what was going to be then glo- kind of towards the end of 2017, I was like, all right, instead of global, it'll be global right to first refusal, but then we'll have domestic, right? So we'll deal with all of the Husqvarna, all the factory Husqvarna, like, you know, stateside operations. And then kind of at, in the, you could probably say like in the 11th hour, like it just kind of fell apart and it, it just, it no longer made sense. All of the reasons why, I'm not sure. I don't know if it was more money with what we're being asking or what, but, you know, as the dust settled, it was just, it was time for us to really take a step back and say, if we don't feel like we can achieve the ROI and if we don't feel like it would be there, you know, and the investment is too much, you know, sometimes, although it's a tough pill to swallow, right, it's easier to just kind of, you know, shake hands and and go your separate way. So it sucked to lose it for sure, you know, but at the end of the day, it was just kind of one of those, it has to make sense. You have to be able to remove your emotions and, and the passion side of it and go business is business, you know, and, and sometimes deals don't work out, um, you know, and, and be willing to walk away. And that's it's just essentially what kind of happened right at, right towards the very end of uh, 20. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, 20. I remember. Or sorry, in 17. Sorry, but it was right oh, before yeah. the end. Yeah, it was right before the end of the year. I don't remember exactly when, but it was like November or December, like right when the deal was getting ready to expire, I was like, eh, yeah. it's just, we're not going to move forward. So Yeah. It seems like a lot of contracts are going on right now, like October, November ish, you know, you got new guys going to new teams, you got gear deals getting done. So it always seems like our industry right now is kind of when contracts are coming up and everything kind of gets ready for the 2021 season. Um, so that's kind of, well, yeah, that, and I mean, not sorry for cutting you off, but oh, you're good. something that, something that it's just, I wouldn't say insider knowledge, but, contracts are they're long right when you're dealing with major corporations like for right now i'm working on a contract that i you know i started in june and it's still not done like they take a long time when you're working with manufacturers and legal teams and you know large corporations and publicly traded companies so it's unfortunate but you get so many people involved in these deals and that's then when you just have to go Hey, we tried, you know, but this guy and this guy and this organization and this is, and then you, you know, you just, you got to be willing to say, Hey, you know, moving forward, let's just dissolve the deal. And well, probably it probably takes so long because it takes forever for your iPhone six to download the contract. Oh my God. Hey, it's a success, (laughs) man. It's got like 32 gigs of memory. It's all I I need. I just Googled it and it was released in 2014. 
iPhone 6 was? No, it was uh, 6. I didn't know you had 6S, so that was probably, what, 16? So still, dude, we're four years on an iPhone. It's like, his be- it's like his bell ray, bro. He just lets it go uh, and go and go and go. Hey, hey, I <laughs> might. Probably, I was, might. They're going to see might, Cody uh, walking up to a deal and going to say, oh, we better go with somebody else. These guys aren't up to date. The guy got an old, old I, iPhone 6. I am rocking an iPhone 6 with I, – I still have the headphone jack. So while everybody's mad because they had to go buy 400, 300-hour oh, yeah. AirPods, mm-hmm. I got I got a couple of the corded cell phone or the uh, the ear jacks. He and plugs his Walkman the, into it. Earplugs, yeah, with the, with the headphone jack in my phone. Dude, so, I feel like in 10 years, if you have an iPhone 6 and you put it on eBay, it's going to go for like stupid amount of money. It's going to be like the – It's like a retro. It's like the Razor. I right hope now. so. Dude, hey, I wish I saw I my Razor. Think I think that there was another podcast that a bunch of people chipped in to get somebody a better phone. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. I he, think, and he, I think and that, he has it set up where he reads his message. It says red. So yeah. like, I'm so, like, dude, you got to turn that off. Like we, you have to be having people know when you read the messages and you don't text them back. If, are you hinting, if we want, I mean, I can be a regular me for your phone. I'm not hitting at a GoFundMe. I'm just saying I can be a regular call in guy, right? I can be a regular guest. Yeah. And if, if if for whatever reason there'd be maybe a seven through a twelve available as we, part of it, we can't. I would take it. We can't play the sob story because you got a twenty twenty one Cowie and a twenty twenty truck, so it's uh, it's not. You're not hurting. Like you can go get your new phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh checkmate, checkmate. You got me. All right, fine. I will. The time is right. That iPhone six don't get up there in that that Wisconsin cold weather in the snow and freeze up. It, no, uh, it does. If I, I'm in my garage working at night, it'll just freeze up and shut off for like factory, a, a period of time. That, so I yeah, moved it, to uh, I moved to Indy for a little while, and I swear the cold weather, like I'm you know from California, and uh, I swear my phone like started freezing just when it got cold. Like it's crazy. Mine does. Yeah, but I got an iPhone six, so it could just be dated. It could be the cold, but I it definitely happens. Yeah, I, my I had a newer iPhone before I shattered it, and it it froze like it got cold, and uh, so it's a real thing. There you go, Bellray needs to come out with like a little hot pocket for your hot, phone, a phone warmer. There you yeah. go, yeah, yeah, Wisconsin. Perfect. So, I like uh, it. moving on to the Scott subjects, uh, I'm excited for these guys to be on board. They have the WFS goggle, which is their wide roll off goggle. It's over 50 millimeter, one of the largest systems in the industry. They also have one of the best light sensitive lenses in the market. I actually wore it today and it's amazing. It actually changes colors. So if you ride in the woods or if you're wide and overcast, it actually changes. It goes from clear to, to smoke. So check those out, guys. Scott, Scott Goggles, Scott Sport USA on Instagram and make sure to go to your local dealer. And get the uh, Scott Prospect, Scott Fury, Split OTG uh, recoil. So Scott's definitely on the gas. We're excited to have them on the show. But that brings us to the Scott subject segment. I'm going to start a GNCC career. So if you want to get me a pair, I'll try them out. I need some roll-offs. I'll probably smoke a tree before I need to pull one. <laughs> Cody, we've been recording for an hour and eight minutes. I don't. And how many times has Shaggin asked for a deal? Yeah, That's twice. That was number like, two. Well, I mean, if he's giving out millions for oil deals, like I'll just take you know a couple <laughs> bottles of oil and yeah. like a thousand dollars. Pay for oh, my graphics my or something. Oh my god! I'm gonna change. Yeah. The, I'm gonna I change love. the podcast to Hook It Podcast. Dude, give me ten yeah. percent off. <laughs> change the name. Ten <laughs> percent off, off everything. Perfect. So I'll swap you. I'll swap you oil for gear. I, I haven't raced 
in 15 years, but Hook It will still give me 20% off. Yeah, Hook It loves everybody. They don't. They're not. Uh, like, I can get 20% off Garnets, but then it'll cost me $300 to ship them. Yeah, they don't give you deals on Hook It. Go to your local dealer, support your local dealer, get your Bell Ray product from your local dealer, get some yeah. knowledge, talk to somebody that actually rides um, and not a uh, internet computer screen. So. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. I don't want to get started on that. <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure any dealer will match it, or if you ask, unless you get like 100 Yeah, off. 9 out of 10 times, your local dealer will match online pricing. So give them a shot, you know, and uh, get the Bell Red product from your local WPS dealer. Um, but for me, for the Scott subject... Except for me, I want it free. <laughs> you're stupid. Product uh, testing. Shut up. Um, so for Scott's subjects, I'm going to go with a question that I'm kind of interested in. And a lot of people are interested in, um, you've been in the industry, Cody, you work for factory Honda, you work with Bell Ray. So you hear a lot of stories. Let's kind of see what you know, or if you will tell us, but how many teams do you think right now, or in the last 10 years you've been in the industry or 15 years you've been in the industry, how many times do those guys put different oil in bottles when they're changing the oil or doing filters. Um, how, what do you see in the industry? Is that, cause I know of some teams that do it, but I mean, have you personally ever seen it or like, you know, I've seen it in car racing. Yeah. But I mean, what do, yeah, what do you know it, about that? Cody, what do you know about teams being sponsored yeah. by one brand, but not really using it? Yeah. That, I mean, that happens often, right? I mean, you do a lot, you put the logo, you know, wherever you need, right. You know, to get your, your money, you know, or your recognition, you know, whatever it is. Um, but that definitely happens as I'm sure it happens in other industries. Um, it's been a few years since, um, you know, obviously we, we had like full, like elite, you know, factory teams, you know, or factory level, you know, competing teams at at that level. So I'm not aware of, of any like firsthand experience again for the last few years, but it happens, man. It happens frequently. Um, it happens because a, you know, these teams are looking for horsepower, um, and they'll do anything that they can to achieve horsepower. Uh, and the, you know, the, the dyno guys know, and if you're really like, you can really geek out on all things. And if you're, you're searching for horsepower, you can get horsepower in oil. Oh, so okay. that's, that's one reason. That's a really cool. Yeah. I, yeah that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, you can get, I mean, and again, a motorbike's different, right? Because it's only, it's only one liter or one quart, right? You know, so you have anywhere from 32 to 33 ounces in the, in the bike. So, you know, it's not like you, when you have seven quarts, right? Like in a car, like Shag and you're familiar with, but you can get horsepower out of oil. You definitely can. And the other, and the other reason is that the clutches, if you have a factory guy, right, that he's a six-figure, maybe he's a high six-figure, maybe he's your, your seven-figure, like, you know, your number one guy or whatever, if that guy is burning up clutches and you feel like, you know, the, the oil is not providing you enough friction or there's base stock issues, whatever, you're going to continue to run the logo, right? But you're going to find a solution to the problem. So, again, the, the reason that I've seen it and experienced it is you're searching for horsepower or you're trying to find a fluid or a lubricant that's going to hold that clutch together. Um, and there's differences. That's really, you know, those are, those are major um, things that the teams are either a trying to solve or trying to achieve. And if it means that, you know, they have to run this brand or, or, you know, they're committed to this brand, you know, as far as a team sponsor, but this other product 
can achieve, you know, the performance that they need to get the brand, that recognition. I mean, that's enough for them to say, well, yeah, we, we got to do what we got to do. So. so what you're saying is Kawasaki right now has 80 billion oil companies on the shelf to help Tomac season next year. I don't know because, again, I don't... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just saying. That guy, just, yeah, we all I, know he, he's pretty hard on the clutch, so you can only imagine those guys, Brian Kranz and all those guys, just scratching their head trying to figure out what in the hell is going on. So it's with absolute certainty, and again, I don't know um, you know anything with Tomac, but with absolute certainty, you know, with the clutch issues and how he's harder on the clutch, Reed was really hard on the clutch, so that's how I... And familiar with obviously, you know, just the clutch abuse that, that, you know, we know that those guys, how they use the clutch and just how those things just get destroyed. I'm certain that Kawi has looked at everything that they can do, including lubricants to get that clutch, you know, to last, you know, for whatever that period of time was, whether it's a supercross main, you know, or one moto, you know, a 35 minute moto, um, and lubrication, you know, a lot of it's the steels and the fibers, but, Let's face it. I mean, there's a lubricant, you know, flowing through and there's a lubricant at some point that is a vital part, you know, of that clutch system. You have to look at it. And uh, now I know that they are using Maxima, but let's just say it was, you know, a brand that they were being sponsored by something that they just couldn't get it done with that lubricant. They're going to do, you know, what, whatever yeah, they have to do. They're going to look do. at other avenues. Yeah, I've seen that yeah and they just do, time. right? And be, Because it's a business, right? It's a business. And if, if they've now satisfied all possible options with said brand and if it's hey we need more horsepower okay well you know they're gonna they're gonna do whatever they can do because at that point the teams i mean for the most part some of them don't but a lot of them will just put it like in a ratio right you know and go over there and and pour it in and and you would never know the difference and it's the difference between a bike finishing or you know what i mean a bike being competitive or not so they'll put it in the motion pro pro funnel best thing ever made yeah for sure check Mm -hmm. it out so uh, no, that's really good. I really appreciate you being honest with that and kind of letting us know some insider knowledge on that. Um, what about you, Shaggin? What's your uh, Scott sports uh, subject that you want to ask Cody? Sponsorships. Is when the bell ring going to come out with mine? Oh, come on. What about the average Joe? Do they? Do you guys sponsor them? Or what do you guys do? A lot of my sponsorship stuff are actually we, we try to push it through dealer. We try to work with you know the distributor reps the distributors and the distributor reps to try to partner with a local dealer. So if someone were to reach out to me, um, if it's like a grassroots grassroots guy, right? We say, well, where are you buying your parts and accessories? And we try to work that avenue because we're firm believers in, you know, the brick and mortar guys are the ones that, you know, they're a vital part of the industry. Um, if it's an elite level guy, you know, a, a amateur national caliber, you know, like elite rider or even a, like a, a pro guy, then it's a little bit different, right? Then, then it's a case by case where, you know, we'll work out, you know, budget standpoints and, and product allotment and things like that. But we try when we can to push it through local dealers and partner up with them. And because then that's also a very easy way to associate said sponsorship with an ROI. Yeah. So if somebody puts in the effort and if they work with the dealer and if the dealer's selling some products and moving some stuff, then I can reach out to Triple J or Justin and say, hey, Justin, you know, we sponsored so and so and he went to so and so. How's that looking? And he goes, eh didn't really do anything, well, then that, that rider, you know, can hold up his obligation to us and it allows us then to, you know, make difficult decisions. But yeah, it allows the rep to get the product in the store, allows them to get somebody in the store using the product. So it's kind of full circle to where you get your feedback, you get 
people pushing the product and then you get people running the product. So it's pretty cool. I've I've had a few dealers um, get hooked up on that program and have really been enjoying it. So thank you for doing that, Cody. I feel like uh, oil is a big brick and mortar product because it's not something you think about on Monday to order it in time for the week. Like it's always last minute. So you got to have like a good brick and mortar around to get you something good last minute. I'm, I don't know. Maybe some people plan better than I do, but I, I forget. Well, yeah. oil is also, you know, depending on certain, um, aerosols, right. It's hazardous. And then also oil heavy. It's expensive to ship. Yeah. You know, true too. Yeah. I always so, try to get my dealers like ordered by the case just so it's easier. Yeah. Like a case of oil, four stroke engine oil, it weighs 28 pounds, you know, but it's a small box. That yeah. box normally should be seven bucks to ship, right? You know, if you try to buy it online, it normally should be seven bucks. You know, if it would just, let's call it, you had some t-shirts or, you know, whatever, some tools. Well, maybe not tools because they're heavy, but you can make a lot of other items that would fit in the same size box and it would be seven to ten bucks. You put oil and then you put a hazardous code on it. That box has now went 30 or 40 bucks to ship it. That's so, again, that's where... That's where we try to work with our brick and mortars. A, because again, they're a vital part of our business. You know, we we rely a lot of our brand. We rely on distribution, and you know, the partners with distribution are the brick and mortars, generally speaking, right? right. And so, it's important to us to to not sidestep them when when there's a in a, a rider that we feel like could still be a good ambassador for our brand. But, you know, is, is, let's call it like a dealership level guy, you know, it's getting bikes from some people. We say, well, yeah, or, you know, maybe I can give you a, a case of this or a case of that. But then beyond that, you have to go through your local dealer. And then that dealer feels like, hey, Bellray is a good partner. You know, we didn't take that rider from them completely. And we've shown some support. And then it's, again, very easy for us to check in and, and see if that rider held up, you know, to their part of the obligation. So I know you were talking about shipping. Um just make sure you put it in the right labeled box or envelope. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you hear about that, Triple J? So, so Cody, yeah. Cody ordered a uh, for all of Triple's five listeners. Cody ordered a heart rate monitor from Viral Moto, and I put it in a priority mail bag. And no, I, you put it in priority is what you're supposed to put it in. You put it in the like no, that's the next. I put it in two levels higher. I put it in the priority three day envelope, but I printed a first prior or a first class package um, label off of the website, and they left Cody a you owe us twenty dollars to get your package. (laughs) So twenty two bucks. So I told twenty one and some change. So I told Cody that was my bad. That was my mistake, and I'd take care of it. And dude just says, oh, I went and got it because I want to go riding today and put it on. Yeah, I wouldn't wait. So. Uh, leave, it to, leave it to Viral Moto to run some janky-ass uh, shit, dude. Hey, it, I, wanted the, I wanted it, right? It was like a Monday or a Tuesday. Yep. It would have had to get refused, go all the way back to BFE Nashville, and then he's got to turn around, rip some. It, was, it wasn't the label. It was the box. He wasn't supposed to use that box. Like yeah. It was like an express. Yeah box and he was trying to ship a priority and it's like to turn around and shagging as lazy as he is i'm like it'll take him two days to turn oh, the dang dude, box I... around <laughs> for 20 bucks like god i'm I'll done with this yeah, i'll just take care he of it calls, he calls me lazy but it took him three days to order it because i kept giving him a code he kept telling it doesn't work it doesn't work and then he found out uh, i gave him a code <laughs> for my website and he's on polar trying to use it 
I, I don't run the Polar website, dude. I, you he said go, go to, to the mine. Site. Yeah, he did. He, he didn't say viralmoto.com. So, yeah, anybody he who's listening, yeah, if you're listening right now, like Shaggin said, our 10 listeners, if you're looking for a Polar watch that connects to Lit Pro and you want to get some data for riding, check out viralmoto.com. We got a code coming soon, right? I yeah. Mean, you've asked I, for uh, deals. I can ask for deals, right? Um, I don't, if Triple gets me some goggles so I can try out, then I will give him a code. Um, and I will put it in the correct bag or box this time. I got unlabeled boxes and bags, so that doesn't happen again. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that thing was a game changer. That thing was so good. Was it the H10? I think the yeah, heart rate. H10. Yeah. Yep. So much better than what I had before. We'll have yeah. some polars down at Minio, so definitely check them out. Yeah, we're gonna get a bunch ordered for them. Um, I did. Yeah, we got the shipping on on lock now. I try to get them out within a day or two of the order. Uh, we everything is in stock, and uh, the new the V2s they aren't in stock yet. But if there's if there's something you want, you guys can uh, message us, and yep. we'll get an order for you and get you a, probably get you a deal on it. Um, get juked up. And yeah, so if there's anything, Vantage is real popular. The Vantage M Vantage and the M, H10 yep. are the uh, popular ones amongst the Moto guys. But uh, if there's anything else that they make that you guys are interested in, just uh, hit us with a message, and we can get you taken care of on that too. One more story, Cody, and I'll let you go. But. <laughs> Speaking of Scott goggles, so I, I I go through quite a few goggles. Like you know, I'm a whore. I love goggles, gear, helmets, boots. Oh, I just remember my other question. I don't I don't ride hard, so I can't, I gave Shaggin some of my old goggles because I was gonna get new ones. So the other day I was talking to one of my buddies and he's like, I'm I'm looking to switch goggles. You got anything? I'm like, Hey, actually I do. I'm like. I'll sell you all these. I had like five pairs. I gave him a screaming deal. I was like, hey, Shaggy, remember those goggles that I gave you? Well, I just sold them, so uh, you're fucking SOL. Can <laughs> I have them back, please? Gives me free stuff, then text me, oh, gave it to you a month ago, but guess what? You're screwed now. Uh, what was your oh, question you had God. for Cody? Uh, I was going to ask Cody, when do you think um, a company is going to come out with like a cup? Because I remember you were there when Triple thought he was cool in the corner and was going to rail that rut and just <laughs> busted his nuts. Yeah. Dude, I'm going to have to pull that out of the, uh, go through my Instagram, pull that video back out, dude. That was the you best I've ever seen, dude. Triple J just, um, no, he didn't destroy the berm. The berm just like sucked no him in and about yeah, the threw front him tire, right over the bar. The front tire just stuck. <laughs> just rode the gas. That was after I went around Cody, though. Oh, that day I was riding so bad. I know, dude. I you did a bar change. You did a bar change and uh, mount change, and dude, there's a whole new company. No, I didn't. I thought you changed. I was that monster. I changed my bars at monster. That yeah, that's oh, yeah. what I was talking about. Monster. No, we're talking about. Um, we're talking about the track, track right down the road from your house. Oh yeah, 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 that yeah, track. yeah. When I yeah, but I'm just saying. Darren. I'm just saying though, like camera came oh, out yeah. and triple tried to be cool and. Yeah, I don't, hey. I suck. when the camera comes out, dude, I eat shit. Like if I mean, like I can hit some whoops, but I can't make the corner after. Cody made a bar hey, change. I, that at, was Cody made a bar that change. That was when I monster. had my. Oh god! I did. Yeah, I had that fifteen cowie, which those cowies, it's basically like trying to steer an enclosed trailer. <laughs> like you're sitting on the front tongue of an enclosed trailer, going down the hill, and you're trying to steer. Is what those fifteens were like. There was a like a corner or two at Monster, and someone was just coming up behind me, and I thought I was riding decent. An old triple just on the outside just smokes me. Made me feel worthless, dude. Now, I will say the corners were deep, and Triple J does have, like, 
a whole thing going where he can get more torque out of his bike. Yeah, definitely. That Yamaha, dude. He's got some traction. Yeah, he goes all to the ground. There's no wheel spin on that. No. But who jumped that uphill triple? Should we talk about that? Yeah, you jumped it first. You jumped it first. (laughs) Jumped it first. I basically had to hold you like my child to get you to jump that thing. I'm a a shy young buck. Cody was making uh, handlebar changes to pass triple, and I was sitting there trying to figure out why my handlebars kept coming loose, only to realize I put my extra mount on upside down. Dude, he's that was rough. He's bringing back his phylic days. Had to do full full testing, but anyways, uh, Cody, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to have Bell Ray on the show. I'm excited to have Bell Ray in my program. Um, and I say my program because Shaggin steals my shit. So no, that's yeah, incorrect, incorrect. <laughs> Set the story straight, Cody. That was my box that showed up. No, you're right. You're right. For Jersey lettering. Now he's trying to steal my crap. Hey, if it's in my garage, I, I got I got to say, yes, that last box, that was Shaggin's box. No, but, I know. His, but that was also because Triple J, you didn't even have a bike. That's true. And I was scared to go to Thumper, so I, I'm i going through his Thumper first before I get my own Thumper. Okay. Well, so, thank you, guys. Um, yeah, for, for sure. It was a good time. Yep, went a little longer I like, than I um, wanted, but it was fun. It was fun. I like being a part of the program. Thank you guys for everything you do for myself as well as the brand. Looking forward to uh, catching up with you guys next time. Yeah, for sure. We'll catch up. And again, thanks, guys, to Bell Ray, Monster Works Connection, um, Motion Pro, Scott Goggles. Make sure to check those guys all out on um, your local social media platforms. And then, of course, make sure to check out Spot Network. The Supermoto Race will be going live streaming next weekend. So check that out on Instagram, Spot Network TV. Check out their app and uh, check those guys out. And again, Cody, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. Shaggin, thank you. Make sure to go check out viral mo- viral underscore moto on Instagram. Um, Cody, what's your Instagram so people can check you out? Seawolf96. Seawolf96. I'm Triple J533. I know you're trying to end the show, but when does Supermoto come back? I don't know if they'll ever come back, but I think they're going to have a good, good race still next racing? Weekend. Yeah, it's oh. AMA. It's an AMA event next weekend in Arizona, I believe. Um, Cody's going to sponsor sponsor somebody, probably. Who knows? Ooh. Give me some wheels. Um, but well, yeah. Maybe. And then the uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that's it for us guys on the Moto Spot Show. Check us out next weekend. We will have wheels on from Monster Energy, so that will be a cool episode. Um, but again, Cody, thank you for the time. We Can really you give appreciate me some it. Blue monsters. No, thanks, uh, guys. Yeah, no worries. Later, bro. Uh, we'll talk to you, See you soon, guys. buddy. See you later.